welcome to the House of Learning podcast, produced by A Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburo and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today, we're talking about deacons and what they do. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. It's Richard here, and I have invited uh, three friends, mysterious, unusual people, occupying the office of deacon. So we have with us Maddie. Hi. And Dixon. Hello. And John. Hello. And so, and this is like podcast debut for all three of you, which Absolutely. is really cool, actually. Uh, Very exciting. You're like core Westside people, so yeah, might not be the last time either. Now I've got you once, we'll invite <laughs> you back again. Uh oh. Um, but people might not know who you are because you're in like you serve in different areas, so people might might not you know know you. So we should do some introductions. So let's b- keep the same order, I guess. Go around the table. We'll pick on Maddie. So uh, I don't know. I feel like we should ask you like a weird question. And sure, I'm an open question. book. Yeah. Um. Okay, favorite food. Okay. And then uh, how long have you been around Westside? And then where where do you join in the most? Great. Um, so my name is Maddie Finnison. I, my favorite food is definitely tacos, probably carnitas tacos. Okay, and um, we're recording on? Cinco de Mayo. So, so this is an exciting is, time for you. I hope that I'm going to have one for dinner after this podcast um and then i have been around west side for almost four years um so not long really relative to my new friends um and then i serve in youth high school specifically and we're going to get a bit more story out of all of these guys so this is just you can lock in the voice and be like oh that's dixon speaking so dixon let's do um uh so, so same questions but um, it was food, something. No, no, I want to change the strange oh, one. Perfect. Like, where's the weirdest place you've ever gone? Oh, okay. And weirdest then, place. and then, like, how long you've been around Westside and what you've been involved with? Sweet. So the weirdest place I've ever gone. Hmm. Maybe like the coolest, strangest place I've ever gone is flying over the Dead Sea at about a thousand feet in the air, uh, at zero feet sea level. So that was oh, really interesting. Weird, yeah. Knowing that I would literally be skimming the ocean, but the ground was just a thousand that something cool. feet below me. And it's really cool. You can see like marbled colors on the ground where all the sea has evaporated. That's that sounds like there's a story of a whole trip to tell. Yes. That, it's really a, cool. That's for another day. That just came in my head and I was <laughs> like, hmm. I forgot I did that. That was very fun and weird. Um Wow, I've been at Westside for seven plus years, I want to say. I think I came here when I was like 19 years old, 26 now. So, um, and I've gotten to serve in a lot of places, a lot, mostly in production and worship, um, some in youth, some in young adults. Uh, I started out just being a slides volunteer on mm-hmm. weekends um, and then just going to young adults enjoying uh, kind of the community there, seeing 
even the evolution of that community into what it is now has been really neat. But um, more lately, I've been serving on the worship team, playing keys, uh, leading worship for young adults and youth, and uh, it's just been a fun time all over, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. So there's like there's a common thread, but it's like hopped around all sorts of different bits of the church. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and then lastly, John. So you've been around a long time. You can tell us about that. Tell us where you serve, and you can tell us what's the largest animal you could single-handedly duct tape to a lamppost. Um, as far as <laughs> that's going to lar- tell us a lot about <laughs> you. Yeah, as far as the largest <laughs> animal. Um, as I'm getting a little bit older, I'm not too old, but not too young either. Uh, the animal is probably getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> At this point, uh, a small bear, possibly. A small bear. Yeah. Okay. And like a sun bear, but not a grizzly bear. Okay. But uh, that's yeah. a bold move. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Check with me in a year; it might be less. Um, I, I don't even remember if you asked the question, but I've been at Westside for probably about as long as Dixon. Yeah. Um, I feel like we t- all took time off, so it seems less than that. Mm. But uh, I would say like seven years and then follow that up with I work with the Westside kids and uh, do quite a bit with them. I, uh, I do music with them and uh, sometimes teach and work with the kids. It's great. Yeah. And so and we're talking about deacons because... We just had a leaders gathering and prayed for and commissioned some new deacons. Um, and so, John, you were already a deacon. That's correct. Yeah. Um, uh, but then Maddie and Dixon, this was like a new commissioning. Um, but, I mean, even just like little snippet of stories, like you guys, um, it's not like now we've commissioned you, you're starting serving. This was like a... Uh, looking around and being like, oh, like these people are doing it. We should like label that and call mm. that out. Um, yeah. Like a so, recognition of sorts. Yeah, I recognition, guess. which is, um, yeah, important. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, ah, maybe it's come up now. Like, because you might be like, why bother calling someone a deacon? Like, aren't we all just supposed to serve? Yes, we are. Um, but I think sometimes when God seems to be using someone in a way that's not necessarily unique, but like it kind of stands out as like, oh, there's like a way God's using them. When you acknowledge it, it helps you like step into like really releasing it and supporting it Mm -hmm. better. Um, I I don't know, just labeling things helps us sometimes work out how to treat different people differently based on what God's doing with them, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like I like that we're doing it. And having deacons is not a new thing. We've had deacons, I think it was a part of the church for a long time. But after COVID, it's like looking around, like, okay, who's still here? And <laughs> and who's new? And what's going on? And yeah. Yeah, so it's a good season to do it. So we should talk about what a deacon is. Um. I don't, I don't know. I have to decide how mean to be to you guys. Like, do I ask <laughs> you guys this question? See if you've been paying attention as you've been reading your Bible. Um, mate, let's let's start actually with because um, there's some like Christian heritage in different parts of the country, different traditions, travel. Like, so deacon is a word that I'm really aware gets used really differently in different parts of church, right? 
So what's your guys' experience been? Because this will help us. I bet from the four of us, we'll get a good range of like, <laughs> oh yeah, in this church it was this, in this church it was this. So like, did, had you run into deacons being a part of church life? So oh, Maddie, yeah. you're nodding your head like ferociously. <laughs> yes, I yes, I am a I respond a lot with uh, nodding in my hands. So um, probably not great right. for a podcast, but um, <laughs> yes, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, and went to a really large church there. And my grandfather was a deacon at the church that I grew up in. So I remember going to um, at our church. There was like an individual ceremony, basically just for him, um, okay. for kind of each person. Um, and it was really cool. And I was younger when that happened. So I think my perception of it at the time was, um, oh, now he serves communion. Like at our church, people carried communion down the aisleways and mm -hmm. passed it out. So I think in my young brain, it was like, now grandpa gets to serve communion because he's mm -hmm. a deacon. So that was probably <laughs> my perception um, at the time. But um, as I got older, was made aware, like he... Um, serves the church and prays and they they had meetings actually like they would get together and um, pray together over different ministries and things happening um, mm -hmm. and then he was just always really available to serve in whatever way mm -hmm. was needed so that's really cool and at a young age you weren't like oh is he gonna get superpowers like, what's, <laughs> what's this gonna mean yeah I didn't really know I just I, I think I thought it was really cool but um, yeah just yeah the communion felt like the main the main point for That's me cool. <laughs> at eight years old. Yeah. So what about for you, Dixon? Let's see. I've been a part of a couple churches for a significant amount of time, I guess, individually in my life. Um, I'd say the first kind of set of deacons that I had at the kind of first church that I spent a lot of time in growing up, it was kind of like it was a bunch of middle-aged, like the strongest guys with like the most like contribution that could kind of give to that specific community. A lot of that meant like building things or um, bringing food or providing different elements to that community. It was a Hispanic church. And uh, so they would also be in charge of kind of like Maddie's situation, doing the offering or serving communion. Uh, to the church. Um, and then the other church that I was a part of, it was a little bit of a different scenario. It was kind of like the oldest guys in that church. And mm. they would be in charge of like communion, but also um, like visitation to people and um, kind of caring for the church. Mm. Um, and then um, in the last church that I was a part of before here, um, we kind of had, it was a church plant and uh, we had kind of both male and female deacons that were kind of um, just stellar people that were serving and contributing and um, just kind of core family members of that community. Um, some older ladies, some older guys, um, and even some younger guys as well that were mm -hmm. helping in that as well. So um, those were kind of the deaconship experiences I yeah. had seeing kind of how those serve different roles That's in cool. churches. And then what about you, John? In my life, um, I don't know that we've ever used the term deacon, but pretty much most of the people in my family have been involved in churches, and a lot of it's on a volunteer level. Um, I like my grandfather. He, at the church we were at, it was a really big church, and he was the candy man, which made him very, very popular and famous. <laughs> at Christmas time, he handed out candy to all the kids. Um, so that was kind of my growing up. My grandpa was the candy man. And yeah. uh, 
pretty much everybody in my family has been, whether paid or not paid, they've had that kind of a role within a church, mm-hmm. and uh, I think very much like a deacon role. So. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, I, I want to put a pin in that. It's like just interesting how God's grown the heart in you guys to serve. Um, and not that God like can't, you know, you can be a first generation Christian and learn this stuff. But it's interesting when there's heritage, like how that good stuff can get passed on in a family. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like uh, in England, I think there's a really big range, you know. Um, I think sometimes deacon is a little bit like, oh, a window got broken. The deacons will take care of that. So it's like super, super practical things mm. that deacons do. Um, it's interesting listening to you two about like s- the serving communion being in the forefront, especially with the Bible and what the word means. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, uh, and then like in the Anglican church and some churches, it's like, yeah, like a really reverenced, like high calling to be a deacon. And it, mm. it can inv- involve them in, not the priestly functions, but some of the other functions of the church. Um, it's interesting as well, like, it, like uh, probably not just Anglicanism, but um, it's like deaconess step one. It's like if you want to be like a priest, vicar, whatever, mm. insert your word here based on your denomination, um, that like step one is being a deacon. And so... Yeah, it's just an interesting, I don't know, there's there's something in the scriptures there about um, the way people honor being given a responsibility, like being faithful with something, which is just kind of interesting as well. So we should do a bit of Bible nerding, um, which should be quite easy because we're doing Acts, and so a lot of this comes from Acts. But deacons pop up um, like in well actually it's i say it pops up in the new testament it's a thing in the ancient world but it's quite a rare thing in judaism so um the word the word literally kind of meant it's like early usage in the first century not just in christian circles but like to wait on tables like to serve at a table like a waiter um which is just kind of interesting and the that the the word kind of took on a nuanced meaning within Christendom, but it's interesting then the connection of like serving communion. Yeah, it's that like is. oh, I wonder if that's like a linguistic thing, and um, but it was kind of that was like a demeaning thing for a Jew to do. So in Judaism, deacons was was not a big deal, but the word diakonen or diakonos, like it's like it's all based on this verb to serve like a lot of the words around this idea of deaconing whatever that is um is to do with serving and it's interesting because um like there's a couple of verses where we're all called jesus's like servants of jesus so like if you know jesus if you're his disciple then you're a diaconin of Mm. jesus and so um there's a kind of as just a descriptive thing about like how we as disciples function means this has something to do with all of us but then you get to act six and so you've got these apostles who at the time they're kind of like the elders of the church in jerusalem it's all kicking off it's all growing it's multiplying and there's a need for more leadership so they bump into like an issue and it's a kind of cross-cultural issue Mm. Um, 
like, it's not quite clear exactly why, but based on ethnicity, in the ministry of the church to take care of like the widows, the orphans, and the needy, there were some people based on ethnicity who were missing out hmm. because they were Gentiles, Greeks, things like this. And so the church, like it took leadership to be like, oh, that's that's not Jesus shaped. We need to like a leader needs to step in and like set culture, like apply like godly principles to like solving this problem and then like helping make sure it's carried out, like the problem solved and something's implemented and it's taken care of to kind of guard and protect that thing. And so the uh, the apostles were like, dudes, we're totally busy. We can't do it. Um, <laughs> paraphrase. Um, and, and it says then they looked for some people full of the Holy Spirit with like this godly character who they could commission to this. And, and they called them deacons. And it's really cool because it's like a really diverse group of people they chose um it was like wow this is like we got these jewish apostles who like walked with jesus but now the church is going to grow its leadership like Mm -hmm. let's include some of these other people it's like a a first step so i love the diversity of it which is really cool um and and the they take care of it but then like what the bible has to say about deacons goes like um a surprising like layer deeper when these deacons are now like major characters in the next few chapters of the story of Acts. And so you've got like Stephen, who does like one of the most profound sermons in front of an antagonistic Jewish leadership wow. and, and is martyred, you yeah. know, killed for his faith. And, and the, well, the way Luke tells the story in Acts, he's like really trying to help us see like um, what happened to Jesus who like how Jesus acted and how people treated him is being mirrored like one for one in Stephen. So it's this way of saying like, wow, look how like Jesus Stephen is. Um, mm. So it really like elevates Stephen. And then you got like uh, Philip, you know, evangelizing um, and like crazy boldness, you know, connects with this Ethiopian and, um, has had like this really interesting encounter as an evangelist and and then deacons like they pop up like uh, beginning of philippians they're greeted by paul along with the elders Mm. um that they they crop up in lots of paul's uh men and women in paul's like you know when he's doing his list of like oh greet this person say hi like tell this person you know um and they seem to be a kind of important office in the church particularly because it seems to be elevated in importance because the amount of space that's given to these people in acts but then also in the book of first timothy uh, which partly is to do with paul trying to give some guidance on how to help the church be organized in a healthy way Paul actually spends like a really substantial amount of time talking about elders and deacons and like what they do and the kind of qualifications of like, um, it's just like a deeper push into what was in Acts of like full of the Holy Spirit. Are they like Jesus? But some meat on the bones of like characteristics and traits and kind of standards of like trying to live a Jesus life as a disciple um, that these people had. Um and and 
where these people are being mentioned as deacons, you know, you've got like Philip the Evangelist, Stephen the Martyr and Preacher, but you've got like prophets, church leaders. So it's it's like a really wide array of things that these people are doing. And I love that it um, it begins with like a really tangible, practical problem. But then it ends up that these people, as they like just step up, you know, it... I mean, who knows? Maybe, like, they're just awesome people of faith, clearly. And, like, awesome stuff would have happened anyway. But, like, I can't help but wonder if, like, part part of what happened next in the story was because of how they responded to the call Mm. to kind of take some responsibility. Almost like that, you know, when Jesus is like, if you're faithful with little, Mm. then I can give you more, you know, kind of thing. So there's this interesting, like, progression that happens with them. And one of my favorite uh, verses about deacons is um, it's at the end of Paul's section about deacons. And um, ah, I've got it here. I'll just just read this because I know we all don't look up in our Bible when someone says, hey, yeah. So, um, but in uh, chapter three of 1 Timothy, he says, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested. And then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. And then Paul specifically mentions women as well. In the same way, women um, are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. Because I think in their culture, some of the, hey, what does a godly character look like that's countercultural? Mm-hmm. Countercultural for a man and a woman might have a different shade on it sometimes. So he mentions both. Um, and then talks about a deacon must be faithful to their wife, must manage their children and household well. And then here's the cool bit. Those who've served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So I love this kind of saying yes to Jesus calling you. Like, will you take some responsibility? Like, can I give you something to steward? Um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like that's like a principle that we find in other places as well. So it's, this is not just true of deacons. But um, yeah, it's kind of exciting to like think about the, then the effect that saying yes to Jesus wanting to give you responsibility can have. Um, to get yeah this excellent standing in in your faith with Christ Jesus, I don't know. That's like yeah, me and Jesus like we're tight. Like things are on, <laughs> like things are going well. Things are on good terms, and great assurance about your faith. Just like, what's Jesus doing? What's Jesus want? What's like what's Jesus life about for you? But like, well, I feel like I know. Like I've got a good mm-hmm. handle on it. Like I'm I'm pushing into it. There's something about like taking responsibility that I don't know does something about that. So. So there's a bit of Bible stuff. Is is there anything in there that's like a... Actually, is it, and I've got to say this because it's kind of interesting. And then the office of deacon continues in the early church to be like a really prominent thing. So you've got like elders and deacons as these two like, way, like boxes to put people in, in the early church. The interesting thing is that the early church, because they were so enamored of Stephen, had this desire to honor him. And they were like, oh, a city should only ever have seven deacons then. So even like massive cities like Rome were like, no, every city should only have seven deacons. Why seven? 
because that's how many were chosen in Act 6. Got it. Yeah. So Interesting. We've got more than seven. I don't think it means <laughs> we're breaking any walls because she just didn't say that. But it's just interesting, like, the, the early church, they, they were like, these are cool people, you know, and, like, really important people in, the like, the story of our faith. And so, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Um, yeah, so is there anything... So I, so I just wasn't mean and didn't put you all on the spot with a Bible question. But I bet you've got Bible insight and thoughts about like, yeah, like put some meat on the bones of like now, like what is a deacon? Uh, what does it mean? You know, because we've invited you guys, you know, there, there is that like, let them be tested. There was no written exam. Um, that, would be, that would be hilarious, actually. <laughs> just, just, just see the look on someone's face if we pull that written exam. But the testing was like, Pop yeah, quiz. like, uh, like how how is God using these people? You know, are they are they faithful? Are they like demonstrating this and like get to know their life and their heart? Like, do they feel called? You know, um, and like, can they do it? Like, are they doing it? Not just, oh yeah, I'd like to do that, but are they doing it? And so, I can't remember why I was saying that, but but you, yeah, that's it. So you guys have, you know, you were invited into a bit of a process for yourselves of like discerning. So I, I bet in the midst of that, you were like, oh, I might look at what the Bible says and, you know, pray and have a little think. Like, just trying to get your head around like what a deacon is. Like, what came up for you? And I'm really interested, like what God showed you it might might be something that you just saw that was important or maybe it was something god showed you that was actually i don't know god inviting you into something or something like that i've gone first every time so somebody else should go first (laughs) okay fine (laughs) um i think for me i was actually kind of floored um when i was first asked if that was something i would consider because i kind of always thought of that as something like way in the future oh that's for like yeah older people when you're an old man right you, you can't be a deacon unless <laughs> I, you're super old you deacon, or something you're, you're getting older now man <laughs> maybe that says something about me yeah um but um for me just even meditating on that passage a little bit um coming to a place of understanding like wow no i do have a lot of experience as a Christian. I am coming to a place of maturity in my life. Um, I am coming to a place of clarity on like things theologically. I am feeling like a fulfillment with the Holy Spirit and um, a guiding in certain ways. And as that verse was saying, like that's actually a way to honor and to validate and to affirm the work of the Holy Spirit that is already manifesting and already moving. Mm, um, and we don't have to question, not that we should n- never like question th- things on our walk with, uh, with the Holy Spirit, but like, I don't have to question things about myself. I don't have to question things about the faith. Like these are the things that I know to be true and mm. have proven those things and I've seen it manifested time and time again and can now take a step of, of, of authority, not from arrogance or not from ambition, but a place of confidence that like we are now commissioned knowing what we know, um, to minister to and to serve and to, um, humbly interact with 
not only the church, but the city around us. Mm, that's really cool. I don't know if like you guys had this experience as well. So I, I, I can really remember someone sitting me down and be like, so you've known Jesus for a few years now, yeah? Like, and you kind of feel like you know everything and everything that's wrong with the church <laughs> and everything that needs to be done. Like, yeah, yeah I kind of do like emotionally feel that way. And be like, don't worry, you'll get over it, you know? <laughs> right. And, and then you kind of learn some like, oh yeah, I'm like profoundly confused and I've got a lot to work out. But then like at some point later on, you do kind of like wake up to the reality of like, oh, like Jesus is, I've got some maturity now. Like how cool, you know, almost surprised. Um, but it, it really does that journey. Like it breeds the humility, which is so interesting. Like the idea of servant and, and humble come so close together um but i don't know it's it's an interesting like characteristic like to take responsibility as a deacon or, or anything as any kind of leader um any kind of servant volunteer like helper whatever it is means like committing to pursuing something like you know there's some like goal or problem you're solving or like discipleship thing you're you're doing but serving also requires this posture of like you know we don't serve Westside we don't serve each other like we serve Jesus mm. and we serve his church like globally not just and so that that then like requires this kind of humility of like I'm in a position of I don't know not doing what I want and not doing what someone else wants but trying to join like a team in a church to pursue what Jesus wants mm. and that's like that really you can see then how that humility you're talking about is so, so critical. Yeah. All right. What about for you guys? Well, for me, kind of teeing into something Dixon said, I both times, this is kind of the second time in my life where I feel like that God's called me to do something very similar to this where, um, you know, I'm just kind of stepping up in a role. And it wasn't like a staff role, but essentially that kind of a role. Um, and both times it, it started well before the uh, door opened up. It's like God was doing a work in my life, and I was uh, starting to pursue things like I'd never pursued things before. You know, people around me kind of got going, there's something happening. And I'm telling people, God's doing something in my life. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like on fire like I never have before. And um, that happened to me this time. About six months before this started, I just, if anybody that was around me would have known, like, mm -hmm. John's got something. I mean, I'm tearing apart my Bible. I'm, you know, at every service, I'm in tears during worship, every, you know, like never before. And uh, it culminated with that. And it's always able, I'm able to look back and go, okay, yeah, that's what God was doing. Yeah. I, I knew it. Now I see it. So, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. It's interesting how frequently, um, God seems to join up like really stirring stuff with an outlet. <coughs> Bless you. I'm allergic to that word, obviously. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, like just thinking about times in my life when it feels like those kind of Aslan's on the move moments. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We've got maybe a cultural expectation that you like, you learn and prepare and then you do. But so often like they actually come quite close together that God's like stirring some passions or something like that. And, um, actually it's like opening a door. Um, yeah, just like interesting, the connection. Have you guys found that, that they, they often seem to come together? Yeah. They're both nodding. 
for sure. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I gotta I gotta stop doing that. I think for me, one thing that's been cool um, in learning about what a deacon is, because as I mentioned, I I don't think I had a full understanding of what that role really meant. Honestly, probably until moving out. Um, to Portland because the context of church does look really different where I grew up. Um, and I think a lot of the times in the South, um, churches have the resources to have a staff to cover every single need. Honestly, yeah. like, um, of course there's still volunteers and there's people that are involved, but I mean, I'm talking about like a 150, 200 person staff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it kind of feels like they've got it taken care of. And like a volunteer is an incredible person to help and serve in a really important way. But the needs of the church are probably mostly going to be addressed by the staff. Um, and so I think it made a lot more sense to me. Um, and even biblically, like it sounds like that was the the story that was happening in Acts. Like there was just some additional help that was needed and there was some additional roles that needed to be filled. Um, even if those people weren't doing it as their quote unquote full-time job, which mm -hmm. I'm sure that I don't know if that's what it looked like back then either. But um, yeah, I think that coming out here and, and being a part of a relatively smaller church than um, what Chad and I came from, it has been cool to see like, yeah, I actually do have the opportunity to step in and serve and um, be really involved in this ministry, even though it's not in a full-time paid capacity. Um, so I think that it's, it's showing me like a practical way. Okay. Here's what de a deacon is, or here's what it looks like. Um, it just means that I get to serve and like do what I love to do and, and help. And, um, it doesn't, you don't have to work on staff to do that. Yes. So that was a cool paradigm shift. Yeah. For me. I'm really glad you said that. Cause that's, I think when I first, cause I've been here seven years, so actually really similar to mm -hmm. you two. Um, when I first came West side, it was kind of mega churchy, had lots of resources and it could kind of hire away all, all of its needs, mm -hmm. um, which was really interesting because in the UK, like mega church is not as much of a thing. Having loads of resources, not as much as a thing. Like most people in ministry are bivocational mm -hmm. or just volunteer, you know, like non-staff at all. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just kind of interesting actually looking at, what being paid to do this does to you. Because this, mm. when I came to Portland, it's the first time in 20 years I'd been paid to do ministry. And it felt really weird. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, yeah, that's like a whole, I could process that for a while, <laughs> but it was weird. But um, I, I think there's something I'd encountered in like wrestling through the issues and experiences of like, the New Testament church worked because everyone was involved. Mm. Like those verses, like everyone came and brought their gift to the apostles' yep. feet. Like they all prayed. They all, you know, there's a radical inclusivity. And even like First uh, Corinthians 12 and places like that talking about gifts. And Paul's really not like one of your leaders will stand up and have a prophecy. But like <laughs> God can speak, God can yeah. use whoever in the church he wants. And he's going to like, gift some people and there's like different types of gifts but then there's like different types of functions which is like the ephesians like you might have like the prophet the apostle the evangelist like you know um but yeah this radical inclusivity that's so beautiful and so much richer like i often say like a team like a good unified team will outperform an individual or a hierarchy any day of the week yeah 
And this was like a team. It was like, well, well, who of the, them are on the... Oh, everyone. Everyone's the team. You know, that, that's really beautiful. And um, I think the season we're in as a church is we, are, we don't have as many resources and we've wanted to grow more inclusivity and now we have to. Mm-hmm. And it's like the combo yeah. of those is really beautiful and just... Um, and, and that's like an important part, I think, for us of like, are our deacons super volunteers? No, we want it to be more than that. We want it to be like, God seems to be using you. Maybe you're going to be the person that he might reveal something he wants to do. It might not be a staff person. A staff person might end up just supporting you mm. because that's what Ephesians 4 says. Like the the job, especially if um, like maybe the the elders in the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, not the work of being a church, but the work of like God's kingdom mission. And so, yeah, like it can be as rich as we want it to be, you know, and that's, I don't know, that seems really exciting because I love collaborating. Yeah. So then I'm like looking around the church and it's like, hey, we just like doubled our team, like or trebled our team, you know, and it's just, and it's really cool. Um, I'm, I don't think we should be limited to seven. Like, and and I and I think that inclusivity bleeds out then to like like Maddie and youth, you know, like you're in a deacon role, and so, you know, you're gonna, and this, you know, is is quite new, so it might even take a while to figure out, like, yeah, like what's my part, like how does God want to use me as part of the team, but then you're gonna have some people like orbiting you. It might be like that whole had that one high school student and that middle schooler and that other leader, that then like you're actually starting to include and raise them and their own voice into you and how God's using you. And, yeah. you know, there's something that, like, so beautiful can happen. Um, the word staff has kind of got in the way sometimes. Like, the, I look in the New Testament and I'm like, well, you kind of had everyone involved. And then some people, they were like, oh, that's an elder and that's a deacon. And it was like, a, a, there was a, a level of responsibility and commitment that was maybe a little different there. And then I look at our church and I'm like, yeah, we've got elders. Some of them are staff, some of them are not. Some of them are paid, some of them are not. I, I think that the paid part is not like how good you are at it or how God can use you. It's just, oh, the kind of eldering you're doing, we really need all of your time. So we should support you. Mm-hmm. And I think loads of our staff are actually deacons. So we are deacons. We've got some of them are paid, some of them are not. And it's the same kind of deal. Just depending on what kind of deaconing you're doing, you might need to be paid or might not. And it just, I know that simplifies the picture for me. So I really like that. Mm. All right, well, I, I want to get, I, I've got a couple more really important questions here. Okay. So one of the kind of qualifications and things to look for is like, has this person like learned this heart of a servant, right? So, and you were, you talked about that a bit. So you described that, Dixon. Um, so I want to ask you all, like, what did Jesus do to teach you that? Because for, like, broken humans and our culture, that is not a natural thing. And so God's done something to, like, build this into you. Um, and that's a lesson everyone needs. Mm. So I'm like, okay, we ought to, like, squeeze the good stuff out of, like, how did, how did Jesus get it into you? It might have been, like... I don't know, like a, those, like a Bible verse that was like, that's a stake in the ground, that's an anchor or an experience or some of your heritage or, yeah. So go, like what, what's some of the stuff? 
Well, I think originally for me, um, it, it was a calling of more away from cynicism where I would sit back and uh, kind of figure out everything that was wrong in the church. Mm. And I feel like God kind of came to me and said, yeah, you, it's, it's good that you figured that out and you're smart that you can see mm-hmm. that and you're right, but you're not doing anything about it. And he, he really kind of called me to kind of change my position and do something. And um, that's when I started volunteering and then it turned into kind of this deaconship um, I've always had a heart for kids and particularly kids that don't fit, whether it be like behavioral stuff or if they have like some kind of a uh, mental issues, um, that keep them from being able to function. And I've been one, a person that wants to really, uh, validate those kids. Mm-hmm. And so that was my heart. It's interesting though, because as I've gotten a little bit older now, my kids are grown and I'm seeing the effect that the way we raised our kids and the way parents around us have raised their kids how big of an effect it's had on those kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And so my heart is more and more going towards, like, I want to be really supportive of those parents who are doing a good job, who are showing up every week, who are trying to do their best to raise their kids right. I want to be a person that's, like, cheering them on every week and just saying, your kids are amazing, mm-hmm. you're doing such a great job. And if they can walk away from that feeling a little bit encouraged, a little bit energized to be the best parents that they're already being, I think that's, that's a big part of what I'm being called to do. No, that's really cool. I had a similar, like, just the phrase um, that at the time was like, oh, I can just see so many people dropping balls. And, yeah, one day God was like, why don't you pick them up? Mm. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was like a really interesting, similar experience. I think I was wired. I'm like the, the philosopher, the critical thinker. Of like, I, yeah, I can point out problems all day long. And, uh, yeah, similar, like, Jesus being like, that's really cool. Like, that's a good gift. Like, but you got to do something with that gift. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I, lo- I love the, I don't know, like, God didn't call you and to, to serve and be like, hey, I want you to do something, like, totally weird and alien and different. But it's almost like God took some of the good things that he'd built and and I don't know your experiences you know the way he'd worked in your family in your life and actually like a real core part of it was then like to be able to give that away and encourage that in others so there's this real connection between like God's calling and just the things God's you know done in your life which yeah it's really and, and that's totally a biblical thing so I love that. It's like such a tangible example of something biblical. All right, what about you two? Whoever goes last is then like, can I have like, oh, dang it, everyone, like <laughs> the others said everything I was going to say. I think for me, um, it was a lot of things. The, qu- the question I think was kind of how... Yeah, how did God teach you this servantness? This, okay, yeah. well, one, I think that I'm really aware of the gift that it was to have both parents and two sets of grandparents who love the Lord. And so I'm, Mm. I'm coming from like a legacy of faith and people that follow Jesus. And I honestly think that's a really big part of it. Just getting to, um, yeah, watch, like I was raised by incredible people, um, and was always in the church growing up. Um, and that's where I found a lot of my community and, and friends. And so I think that laid a really incredible foundation, Um, and on top of that, the other thing that's just coming to the top of my mind along with kind of what others are sharing is, um, 
I just had an incredible example in my small group leader. Like Mm -hmm. I had the same small group leader from eighth grade all the way through my senior year of high school. And she was a woman with three kids in her forties and she showed up every single week, Mm -hmm. um, for hours and just like led a small group of girls. And that was a time in my life where I was really trying to figure out what faith was for me, not outside of my parents and, Mm. um, outside of just like the culture I grew up in. Um, and she was there every single week Mm, faithfully. And I think that the older I got, the more I realized that that is pretty incredible and that like she wasn't paid to be there. And she just out of the goodness of her heart was faithfully showing up because she believed in, in what, life with Jesus could do for high school girls. So that is the biggest thing that comes to mind. And I remember being like, man, I want to be Julie Jenkins for somebody else. Like I want to be the person that can walk alongside a middle school girl or a high school girl and say, here's what life with Jesus looks like on a really practical level. Yeah, That's so important because it's like, I don't know, it's easy to have this like, enlightenment way of thinking about the world it's like yeah god will teach me like an abstract truth and then how to apply it but like god's actually discipleship's his jam Mm -hmm. and like the the unit of discourse and discipleship is the relationship not the idea Mm. and you know people joke like ministry well they don't joke they say but it's kind of become a bit of an empty phrase now because it's so abused but like ministry is caught not taught Mm -hmm. but it's not just that it's like I mean, God can say things to, like, challenge our character and challenge our values and things like that. But, like, you learn some character and values and priorities by being around someone and watching them and, like, loving, experiencing it yeah, and learning to love. Like, you learned to love something. Like, even in family, mm-hmm. like, you learned to love something by being around it, um, which is really cool. And I, it really challenges the idea of, like, yeah, I'll just like stay home by myself, read my Bible every day and I'll mature. Mm. It's like, well, I mean, God will do some stuff because God, God's a part of the like, equation as well and his word is as well. But others is this like big part of how God actually helps us learn these things. So, yeah, I love all the relational aspects of your story. That's really cool. What about you, Dixon? Well, for me, kind of like Maddie, I... A third-generation Christian, second-generation pastor's kid, I've had the gift of just, like like you, like seeing really amazing people serving the community and just observing that. And growing up, watching the way my grandfather just pastored people, they'd come over, bring tamales, <laughs> or need their car fixed, and he had mechanic skills, um, watching, like, young youth just gravitate to my dad um, in that church, feeling like he was probably the only one who really understood where they were coming from, Um, like children of single mothers, um, and just asking him questions and seeing how he just came alive and just pouring out himself for them um, selflessly after like (laughs) 40-hour work week um, and just making space for them was a big impression on me. And, um, man, I feel so alive when I get to, I kind of operate in that same way. Maybe it's Mm. just like a familial thing or, or, uh, or what it is, but, um, I absolutely love working with young people and, uh, 
watching them encounter life, many things for the first time and helping shape those experiences and comfort and um, show like a lot of these are common experiences and like helping usher them into, into life. And then like, as well as a rich musical heritage of people who just volunteered their time to make sacred music, I guess, for, and a lot of it was hymns in that time, but um, now in the, in the experience and expression that we have here, um, I feel like I just get to carry on that tradition as well Mm. um, and, and just continue to serve um, and do it with community. Like the biggest thing, and kind of off the topic of what you were saying earlier with this, even this last Sunday, looking around the room at all these other people who were being commissioned as deacons, seeing, wow, these are people I can like fall into and fall back on and lean on as a brotherhood and a sisterhood, as a team of people that are all working together to serve the church. Um, So that was like a really cool thought I had um, when that was happening. I think you're right. And I think actually like that's part of shepherding. So like elders have that, like we're supposed to help join up the body of Christ. Yes. But then deacons like have a role, like as you do that, you help that to happen as well. So that I, lo- I love that dynamic. The other phrase that really stuck out, you said like, I come alive, mm. which is, um, I know it's that, that voice of the world and maybe our pride and self-centeredness that's like, oh, if I serve, it will diminish me. Hmm. And it's like, well, it may feel that way sometimes. And there's definitely moments of that, like where we work through things. Uh, and it's not always easy. Sometimes serving means figuring out something that's hard or painful. Um, but it, like, it, we... I don't know. It's one of these weird things of that, like God won't be outgiven or something. You know, it's like you can try to give everything you can. Like, I just want to glorify God, or I just want to like as part of my worship. You know, because worship is service, and then you, you end up gaining by it. You end up like getting more life, not less. So I thought that was a really like critical phrase. And actually, like so, last question because this is, gets us to this then of. Um, you know, you've grown in this, you've been doing this um, in like some different ways actually as well. And so there's like lots of experience. What has the effect of pushing into serving been on you? So you can't say coming alive because you already said that. Mm -hmm. So, um, (laughs) you know, and and it doesn't all just have to be the positive spin. Maybe, maybe there's like things that have been hard about it or things you've had to wrestle through and um, but yeah, what's it done to you? Um, tell your stories. Well, you know, I'm listening to the Dixon and Maddie, what they're saying, and I, I feel like it's, I'm really the same thing. There's been people in my life that I admire the people that they are, that I want to be that kind of a person. And it's a mm. question I ask myself all the time. It's, who do you want to be? What is this the person you want to be? Maybe if I'm doing things that are not in line with who I want to be. And other times it's like, this is the kind of person I want to be. This is how I want to put myself out there. Um, and uh, it's serving for sure has helped me grow to kind of being who I want to be um, or at mm. least be on the journey to who I want to be. And it's also very rich. You know, you have connections that you've made through serving, whether it be with the people that you've served with or 
with me, with kids that I worked with when they were kids, mm. and you know, I've been to their weddings. I've been, I know them now as adults. Uh, mm. One of them's married to my daughter. You know, it, it's very rich that way. So it's been, yeah, it's service, but at the same time, it has been a huge, rich blessing in my life, and hopefully, shaped me to be kind of the person I want to be. Yeah, that's really cool. I think for me, um, kind of stepping stepping into kind of a role of deaconship is kind of a, for me, I, I will admit it was like definitely a defining moment for me as someone who's kind of come from a family of church leadership and thinking originally like, oh, I'm going to go into like a layman's job. I'm going to be like fully supporting my family. My like engagement with church will be like minimal. It will be like faithful, but it won't be one of like so much investment that Mm -hmm. it pulls away from my ability to like, like save up for the future and all these things that, um, like our value now, especially with (laughs) our society and the way that it is, it requires a lot of investment. And so for me, I was, as I was navigating that, I was like, wow, do I, am I going to step into, continue to say yes to, to serving in ways that could potentially be more, or am I going to like choke back and say, no, I'm actually going to like keep this time for myself. Um, and, and, and not step into that. Um, and so there was definitely a lot of that and things to pray through and, Mm -hmm. and, things to say yes to and things to say no to, um, kind of when stepping into a role of deaconship being like, okay, this is actually giving license to be needed or, or be Ooh, desired. That's a good yeah. 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 So that's because some of the things it, I was navigating. A, there's a lot of vulnerability involved, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Cause you're, yeah, you're making yourself accessible and it, it is, it's, it's inviting something a little different. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, I don't know. Whenever the word vulnerability comes up, I'm like, oh, this is like that's the that's a Garden of Eden shaped thing. Mm. Like that whole they were naked, unashamed. Like they could be totally vulnerable. Like there was total trust, and it's just interesting how God uses things like service to like teach us to be vulnerable and actually help us to trust. Yeah. Um, and how often maybe it's sometimes like where trust needs to be built or something that then inhibits our ability to serve or join in or be a part of community yeah things like that so yeah that's really interesting what about you maddie yes um i think that it has uh serving has done a lot of things to me so it's hard to narrow it down but i think that um the word that's coming to mind is just growth like i think i've been able to to grow a lot in my own relationship with the lord and maybe Mm. that feels counterintuitive because the nature of it is I'm giving and giving time and energy to helping others grow in their relationship with, with God. But definitely in turn, it's, it's grown my relationship with God. Um, I've served, I served at the church that I grew up in. Um, and also, um, of course, serve at Westside and, um, yeah, it's just been so cool to learn new things about God through other people, um, to, listen to the ways that he's invited me to step in in new ways in different seasons. I think this season is definitely 
um, maybe a new chapter of that. Like I feel like the Lord's asking me to step in to serving in a new way. So I think that it just looks, it's looked like growth. Um, and then the other thing that comes to mind too is community, which, um, has been really cool. And you mentioned that as well, just like getting to serve with other people has mm. been a really valuable thing. Um, my husband and I, we moved to Portland two weeks after we got married. So we oh, wow. got married, we went on our honeymoon and then we lived in my parents' <laughs> basement for a week and then we drove across the country. And I think that like maybe what the world would have told us to do was like spend all your time together, like get to know one another. But like we literally rolled up to, um, Portland on a Monday and we came to youth on Wednesday. Cause we were like, that's, this is where we want to be. Like we're here together. And like, instead of like hanging out at home, like just together, we can do that on another night. Like we want to, we want our marriage to be about this. Like we want to show up here. So mm-hmm. we did. And he, he's, uh, showed up here so much that now he's, uh, worked his way on to getting paid to, to serve. But yeah. he, um, like, I think that for both of us, it's just been cool to like meet other young married couples and other, uh, young people people, people in their twenties who are also wanting to live their life that way mm. and just building community yeah. with them. So growth and community. That's really cool. That thing you said as well, like wanted our marriage to be about like if you get married, just be like, oh, this would be cool. Cause like I really like this person. So yeah. now this'll help us both be more comfortable. Yeah. It's like marriage has to be about more than that. Yeah. To survive. Yeah. And you, you <laughs> like you found something really early. Well, you were already doing. Yes. Yes. So um yeah, I love that. I think that's such a mega lesson. That's really important. All right, well, that's about an hour, so that's quite a long podcast. But I want to finish like an invitation. Um, that First Timothy 3 chapter begins with saying, here's a trustworthy saying, if anyone aspires to be an elder, they desire a noble task. So it's like affirming the desire to like take responsibility, like, I don't know, to commit and... Like is a good thing. I don't think Paul would later, like later in the chapter, get to deacons and be like, "Oh no!" But if you desire that, like that's not a good thing. Like I think it kind of sets the tone for Mm. the chapter. Um, So there's an invitation. Like we are a church that wants to include, and so like if you're listening and I don't know, maybe you feel like there's a muscle of like serving, getting involved somewhere that like you want to stretch and it's not getting stretched yet. Like talk to someone. Um, like we're, this is like Ephesians four, like equipping the saints for the work. And like our part of our job as a church is to help you explore your calling and your gifts and figure out what God wants to do. And so, yeah, don't do it in isolation. If there's any little glimmer of something, like start talking to someone. They're not going to like strong arm you into making coffee every Sunday or something. Like they're kind. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll help you figure it out. They'll pray with you. They'll talk to you. And so, yeah, it would be remiss of me not to invite you on the back of this conversation. So I hope you enjoyed and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, Go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling.
If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.